0: I'm Brittany the content and research producer and I'm Ellie the
1: media and content producer at Magnify and welcome to the Magnify podcast where we co-host
0: aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers in faith. From imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting and courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop.
1: And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith
0: and work life. So Ellie. Do you ever feel like you could have done something better or that you took the wrong path in work? When something goes wrong in your career, do you think it's a reflection of your personal abilities?
1: Every day, Brittany. Um, You and I both speak about this a lot, but I think we definitely put our worth into our work um, as writers, as well, you know, in the creative process, you very much put your all into it. Um, and when it's not received in the way that you might have hoped, or you know, it's just not the final product you hoped it would be, you definitely see it as a reflection of your abilities and your skills. Um, and to your first question, um, do I ever feel like I took the wrong path? I don't think I took the wrong path, but I definitely think. There are like a hundred other things I could be really good at, but I just haven't tried it yet. But, you know, if that was your thinking, you'd be doing something new every day. So we're not going to go even down that thought
0: train at the moment. But what about you? Yeah, I think one of my biggest, one of my biggest kind of learning curves has been to be okay with failure and even rethinking what failure is. Because I think for so long, especially with writing, I'm like, it just didn't work out. So it's a failure. And then I start questioning like, is that is this even what I'm supposed to be doing is this what I'm good at yeah. um, but the truth is failure is only failure if I didn't learn from it if I didn't gain anything from it and if I only stay in the spot of I can't come back from this you know or I can't move forward from this a big thing that we're talking about is fear <laughs> And when we work in fear of doing the wrong thing um, or things going wrong, it can prevent us from, like you said, taking the big swings, which help us achieve our goals. Our
1: latest guest, Jordan Rayner, who's best-selling author, definitely agreed with us as well. Um, and after thinking that he would have to completely shut down one of his first businesses, he was really fearful that he would be defined as a failure by his friends and family. Um, but in that moment, he realized that by putting his worth
0: in his work, it meant that he was working in fear, not freedom. Wow, such a good point. So in this episode, he spoke about how he's gone from working in fear to working in freedom, the benefit it's had on his work. And he also touched upon why working in excellence is the most loving thing we can do for ourselves and those around us. He definitely made us consider things in a different perspective. Yeah. It was an incredible conversation. So listen in.
1: Where are you from, Jordan? Have you mentioned that? I'm in
2: Tampa, Tampa. Florida. It's like 72 <laughs> degrees outside today. It's amazing. Yeah. So
1: nice. I'm yeah. very jealous. It's like minus one degrees and dark and rainy here oh every guess. day at the moment so
2: <laughs> not pass. living my best life yeah <laughs> uh no not at all
1: what is the film title that you would use to describe your life this was so hard but this is it. <laughs> so
2: hard i actually did think about this one uh it, it would be the worst movie title of all time <laughs> but i think the honest answer is like intentional I, it would just be called intentional I, I told you it was the worst movie a lever, but I think uh, I think at my funeral that's what that's what people are gonna say about me and my life I was I an like that. guy.
1: Yeah, definitely. What well, that's a good one. Yeah. What about you,
0: Brittany? Mine, um, I'm gonna take one from a from an actual movie <laughs> uh, from Step Up, <laughs> the dance movie, but it would actually be about like kind of stepping into the things that make you a little bit nervous, that make you a little uh, like outside of your comfort zone. Um, I feel like that's kind of been like the theme of my life right now, Uh just stepping into it.
1: It's a good one for sure. (laughs) Um,
0: I think I'd probably
1: like Britney I was choosing, I was being very unoriginal and chose a movie title that exists already. But I said, you've got mail because the inbox at the moment is just nonstop all the time. That's a great answer. Yeah, I thought we'll get, and a great movie as well. So it's a win-win both sides there.
0: (laughs) So um, before we dive into our conversation about work, um, we'd love to ask you a couple of questions just to get to know you better. So first, um, if you can have a dinner party with any
2: three guests from any era, Who would they be and why? Ooh, that's a great question. So three people I'm really interested in. All of them are dead. (laughs) Uh, Number (laughs) one is C.S. Lewis. Uh, So I think Lewis is fascinating. He's one of the best-selling fiction writers of all time. Came uh, to faith later in life, but didn't change his vocation. Just changed kind of what he wrote and how he wrote. I think the second would be Arthur Guinness, who I'm obsessed with. Uh, Arthur Guinness and, and the story of the Guinness family and the brewery is fascinating. He was a deeply religious man that kind of founded the Guinness Stout as a means of redeeming what he saw was broken in creation in the gin craze. People were getting drunk on gin. He's like, I'm going to create a beer that's filling and lower in alcohol uh, to help these people. It was amaz- it's an amazing story. And I think the third... Would be Hannah Moore. And Ellie, you're in uh you're in the UK, you may know Hannah Moore's story. Uh you probably know William Wilberforce's story, the parliamentarian who is credited for ending slavery. But what a lot of people don't know is historians give equal credit to Hannah Moore for ending the slave trade. Hannah Moore was a poet and an author who outsold Jane Austen ten to one in her day in the 1700s. And um, William Wilberforce, to his credit, when he was in parliament, he knew that cultural change never happens top down, right, from from politicians on down. You gotta change hearts and minds. And so he teamed up with Hannah Moore and Hannah Moore started writing poetry and, uh, and books that changed people's hearts about the issue of the slave trade. And historians give her really equal credit for ending the slave trade throughout great britain and the british empire and she was a single woman she was never married but this like amazing woman uh who's deeply motivated by her faith so that would be a hannah more arthur guinness c.s lewis and now come to think of it all three europeans so i don't know what that says about me but <laughs> yeah that's my answer you could host them in america <laughs> yeah i'll go co- I'll, co- I'll come i'll to london yeah
0: yeah that's yeah cool. why not
1: Yeah, I genuinely think that's the most interesting mix of three people I've ever heard, because usually people are like Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, you know, the classics. But I love that mix of people. And I think as well, it's really interesting what you say about your line of work. And we'll go into this later as well. But how you sort of focus on people who are doing um, gospel work, but not necessarily through those obvious routes, you know, being a pastor, being, um, you know, a vicar in a church, but actually bringing it into the
2: spheres that are running the world. Those are my favorite businesses, right? The businesses like, like Guinness, Guinness serves beer. They're one of the largest breweries in the world, but they thought radically about what it means to love your employees as yourself. There, there was this, this is a great story. There's a great book called the search for God in Guinness. And it tells a story about how this doctor way back in the day came to the Guinness board He's like, Hey, I want permission. I want you to hire me on staff. And I want permission to go to the homes of every single one of your workers and come back with recommendations for what the Guinness Company can be doing to improve their lives. He did. He visited like something like twenty thousand homes, something crazy, something crazy, and came back and convinced the Guinness board to invest radically in new. They built new homes for their employees, they didn't give away, but they gave them, you know, uh, reduced rent on these homes. It's just amazing, that's a be- That's what the gospel, that's what Christianity should be about, is yeah. impacting people's lives where we have the greatest influence, which is at work. Right, that is incredible. What was the name of that book again? Yeah, it's called The Search for God and Guinness. Guinness. It's okay. terrific.
0: Okay, next question is, what is um, a fact about you that people would be surprised to know?
2: Oh man, so this <laughs> this is funny. We're living in this Zoom world where we never see anyone face to face anymore. And I've had three people ask me in the last like few weeks how tall I am, and I'm, and I'm like, how old do you, how how tall do you think I'm? They're like, I'm yeah, six, but I'm like five foot six. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's surprising <laughs> you, maybe not. From a short guy. So there you go. It's
0: hilarious. And then um, obviously we talk a lot about work, but we know that downtime is equally important. So how do you switch off and relax?
2: Uh, I'm terrible at this uh really bad at this uh, I, I will say I, I don't I, I don't work that much I, I work 45-ish hours a week um, I spend a lot of time playing with my kids I got three young daughters uh, so Ellison who's six kate who's four and Emery who's one and so a lot of my rest time is just play time with them playing and pretend and whatever and then for me personally I love to, I love to read uh it's funny my work is my passion it's how i relax some people are like don't read any anything work related before you go to bed i'm like i i I, I don't understand like i i I, I love it i love reading for work uh before bed and watching tv my wife and i watch tv every night um not a lot we usually watch an episode of schitt's creek or the west wing or you know before we go to bed that's that's about it
1: and what's on the top of your reading list at the moment
2: Ooh. um so I, I'm reading, uh, I'll, so I read, I, I, I reserve a special book, I'm kind of weird, I reserve a special book just to read on Sundays, uh, which are, which is our day of rest, uh, and I'm rereading Shoe Dog, uh, mm-hmm. the story of Nike, for like the fourth time. Uh, I think it's one of the most beautifully written books ever. Uh, and so I try, I try to read it like once a year, so I'm, I'm rereading that right now. Nice.
1: Yeah, Brittany and I are big readers, so I always love to get people's recommendations because everyone has such a variety of genres as well that they're into. And one question we always love to ask our guests because we just think it shows so much about who they are today is um, growing up, what was your childhood like? And what would you say are the values that have shaped you into the man that you are today?
2: The first one that comes to mind is just hard work. Like, my dad worked incredibly hard. Uh, My mom worked hard too uh, in the home, raising uh, my brother and myself. But my dad, uh, it's funny, I had my dad on my podcast uh, a few months ago, and we were talking about this. Like, he brought me to work with him a lot. Like, you know, you have like bring your kid to work day. Like, my dad brought me to work like once a week during the summers growing up. And I, I was like, that's weird. Like, why did you do that? Uh, and he was like, yeah, honestly, just to give your mom a break. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, but I, it was, it was great. Like we got up super early in the morning and I got to watch him work really hard and serve people really well through his work. Uh, he was in sales. And so I loved going around and meeting people. And I think, I think I, I gained a love of people. Uh, and, a, and just a love of, of work and hard work and excellence at work through my dad.
1: Amazing. Um, and you can definitely see that's part of what you're passionate about today is excellence and pursuing, you know, your highest, yeah, your high standard. Um, so just going on to that, you are an entrepreneur and an author, um, but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your sort of day-to-day? What does it look like and how did you end up doing what you're doing as well?
2: Yeah, so I, I spent 10 years... Uh, in in what people would traditionally define as an entrepreneur. I was running high growth tech startups. I sold two. Uh, The last one I ran for two and a half years as CEO and then uh, recruited a replacement for myself. I'm still chairman of the board of that company. It's a pretty well-funded tech startup here uh, in the States called Threshold 360. Uh, So I did that for 10 years. And about three, four years ago, I started writing kind of on the side just for fun to see if I'd be any good at it and uh, published my first book called To Create and I realized I love that more than running uh, a company and building big teams. And, but, but really saw both things as the same core thing of entrepreneurship. That sounds weird to a lot of people, but you know, in a business, in a typical tech startup, you identify a gap in the market, you build a product that meets that need, and then you set up systems for that product to sell without your direct involvement over time. Being an author, I think, is the same thing. Like You're you're listening to what people need and, and questions people are struggling with. You design a product, in this case, written word, to meet that need. And then you set up systems for that thing to sell forever without you. And so for me, I see them both as entrepreneurship. I just see what I'm doing today as what you might call content entrepreneurship. And so today, what my work looks like is just producing a lot of content.
1: And you've spoken a lot about how you love to help other people sort of find their, you know, their faith within their work and how the two can intertwine. Um, but what drew you to share that, to want to share that relationship between work, creativity and identity as well?
2: I think for me, it was, um, about five, six years ago now, something like that. I was exiting my second company and we were selling it. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And when you sell two companies, the logical thing is start another one, right? So that was that was the plan. I was just gonna start another business. And uh, one Sunday at church, uh, we had a guest preacher there and he was talking about the need for people to go plant churches all around the world. And I just had this like very familiar guilt that I felt many times before of like, man, if I really was serious about God, if I really love Jesus, I should go plant a church and you know move 5,000 miles away from home and go, go plant a church somewhere. And so I was considering that. My wife and I were thinking about that. Uh, and I had some mentors in my life pull me aside and they knew I was considering these two things starting another business or planning a church. Uh, and one of them pulled me aside and was like, hey, listen, like I don't get why you're considering planning a church. It's like you're 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 clearly passionate about entrepreneurship. More importantly, you're good at it. You've created a lot of value, create a lot of jobs. Don't you get that your work is ministry. It's a way of serving other people. And I didn't understand that at all. So that was that was um that was mind-boggling to me. So obviously I didn't go plant the church. I started another business and I just got really passionate about how do I get more people to understand That's such a good um like you said like giving that
0: unique perspective on work, actually, I feel like it takes away some of the pressure personally, like as I've listened to some of your talks and your writing, it's been it's like, oh, okay. like there's a freedom that comes with this. Um, And so that is kind of our next question is uh, what does
2: working in freedom mean to you? You know, I think the um, the there are two extreme narratives of work uh, in in the world today, right on the on the left hand, if you can envision a spectrum right on the left hand side of the spectrum, it's the idea that my work doesn't matter at all. Work is a meaningless means to an end. I go to work to collect a paycheck to move on to the truly meaningful things in life, spending time with my family, maybe giving money to my church or charity, whatever, right? And the Bible refutes that. It says that God himself worked, right? And that gives dignity to and all our work. The, the right side of the spectrum, the other extreme, is that work has this ultimate cosmic meaning and i think this is where a lot of people in our generation fall this is where i fell for the first five years of my career that work is what gives my life value work is how i prove to the world that i'm not a chump work is how i prove that i have something valuable to offer work can never give you that ultimate sense of self-worth because if you're looking at your career to provide yourself with that ultimate source of identity when you lose your job or the economy tanks because of a pandemic then your sense of self tanks along with it it's not secure at all and so you're constantly living in this state of fear rather than freedom because you're looking to work to give you something that work was never designed to give you so the bible kind of offers the only true third way it says that yes Our inclination is right, work is good, but it is not the ultimate good. It is not the ultimate God. It's not the ultimate thing that is gonna provide you with stable satisfaction regardless of circumstances. And when you find that, then you have the freedom to create and take really, really big risk because you've got nothing to lose,
1: nothing to lose. That's amazing. And I have a question as well here. This is probably me being like, the realistic mind that I have, um, you're, it, what you've just said is incredible, and I completely agree with you. But are there ever days when you do still attach your worth and your purpose
2: to your work? Oh, all the time. <laughs> Glad you said that. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is a constant battle, right? And because listen, like I get these things intellectually, it's a whole other thing for them to be ingrained in my heart. And so for me, there there are two things that are critical to reminding me that my my worth uh, is not ultimately tied into the results I produce at work. Number one is uh, for me, spending time in that master narrative, spending time in God's word on a daily basis, every day, waking up, making it a priority, preaching the gospel to myself. The second is being in community with other people who believe these things. But even with those things, yeah, I still struggle. I, I, think, I think I always will. I don't think this is something you ever get past. Right. Uh, I think it's a lifelong process of trying to remind yourself of of where your worth was. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think that's something Brittany and I have spoken about a lot recently as well, is that it's never you never get to a final point with this sort of thing. It is an everyday progress. You know, it's like you said, there are some days you wake up and everything seems to be in line with, you know, your beliefs and other days you wake up and everything seems a bit out of out of sync with everything. Um, But I love your honesty there with that and also the practical tips that you give, because it's so important speaking about faith is amazing, but actually in your every day, how can you take those steps to sort of realign your, you know, your beliefs and values is so important.
2: The other thing I'll share uh, is, is, is the idea of Sabbath rest, which I briefly touched on a few mm. minutes ago. That, that to me is a pretty practical way of, of reminding myself that my worth is not tied to my work because it's a way one day a week I could just stop right yeah. force myself to not be productive which is so hard for high achieving people like me right and say I can still exist I still have my being without being productive and it's a powerful way to remind myself that like I still have value beyond being in front of this laptop and engaged in the work that I believe I've been called to do
0: that's so good that's so true I, what you're touching on a bit too is like a little bit of uh, that fear that we have with work at times with and with uh, even our own identity and that um, and in this vein of honesty like are there areas that you've kind of struggled with with fear in work
2: yeah so um I, I, th- I think there's always fear of the unknown mm-hmm. but I, I don't know like I've always I um, this is one of the things I, I get right. I don't get much right. But uh, I, I, I take big swings. Like, I just, I believe that life's too short to do small things, yeah. right? Like, I'm just not interested. And so um, I, I like stepping into the unknown. That's kind of my nature as an entrepreneur. But is there fear? Of course. Yeah. Like, is, yeah, the fear for me is always, um, is there a better path? right like is there a better strategy you, you always wonder is there a better way forward is there a better way to make this vision come to life faster right um, and that—that's my, that's my biggest struggle honestly is just impatience and not being able to be grateful uh, with the work that God has produced through my labor to date I always want more right and um, I think some of that's healthy I think ambition is healthy what I struggle with is Um, not being angry in that gap between present reality and future vision that's Mm -hmm. tough that's really tough. That's incredibly tough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's something we speak about a lot as well Is trying to, you know, be grateful for that. I guess it's striking that balance, isn't it? Between being ambitious, yet being grateful for the blessings that are in front of you at this time, not just in work, but in your personal lives as well. Totally.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a tension. Again, I think it's one of those tensions that we will always be forced to embrace. Even
0: too in that, like, I think you've kind of,
2: spoken to it a bit
0: but is there what is the way that you found that we can like transition from fear to freedom in our work
2: yeah is for me the only way to do it is to find your worth ultimately in something other than yeah. uh the results you produce and i'm not saying identity right because a lot of people yeah. say don't make your worker your identity and i just don't buy that like work is such a big piece of who we are to be i think there's a difference between identity and worth, yeah. right? Identity is who I am, what I do. Worth is, I, I am not worth anything to this world if I don't have this, right? And uh, if your worth is tied up in your work, that's gonna fail you. Maybe not today, maybe not this quarter, maybe not this year, but at some point in the future. And, um, you know, I'll give an example from my, from my career. So about six years ago, Right before we had, so I mentioned I, I sold my second venture. But before we sold it, um, there was a t- there was a period of time where we were pretty sure we were going to shut it down. Like it was really dark, and I it was the only time in my life I could say I was genuinely depressed, and I couldn't figure out why. and And, and eventually I realized It was because my worth was tied up solely in my work, and I couldn't handle the fear. of of, of facing people in my community and admitting I had failed right and because of that I think it caused us to hold back and not take as big of swings because I wasn't operating out of a sense of freedom I was operating out of a sense of fear and trying to protect this image that I had created around Jordan the successful entrepreneur and that was tough and I had to let go of that that's awesome that's so relatable even that journey of like getting through that of not
0: uh, thinking that, like, oh, I can't present myself in front of people because I don't have this thing anymore.
1: And I was going to say as well, you know, you said you were scared to face that fear of failure. Um, But looking back on it now, do you still see it as failure or do you see it as Mm -hmm. a time of growth and a time that has made you into the entrepreneur, the author that you are today as well?
2: Yeah, undoubtedly, uh, the Lord used it for good in my life, right? I learned a lot of lessons from that experience. Um, And it's given me opportunities to encourage others you know, looking back six years six years down the road, uh, to take big risks and to be transparent about failure. I, I think um, one of the ways, especially that Christians can really stand out in the world, especially of entrepreneurship, is by being really transparent about what's not working and own our failures and, and show that we're okay despite uh, those failures, in spite of those failures, right? So, yeah, I've seen a lot of good come come from that. And it helped me pivot my career a little bit find the next venture that was very successful, right? Uh, and and move me closer to the career I have today, which is, you know, focus on my writing.
1: Um, so obviously we've spoken a lot about faith and your your work is very rooted in faith as well. But what's your personal story?
2: Yeah, Um. it's kind of kind of a weird story. My, my parents weren't particularly religious at all, um, but for some reason sent me to a Christian school when I was five. And uh, I came home one day when I was seven from school and told my parents that I had prayed and accepted Jesus as my Lord and savior. my dad like freaked out, like, like freaked out, like thought I joined a cult, uh, whatever. And, um, through the ministry of that school, uh, my parents came to faith. My brother came to faith, my whole family came to faith through the ministry of that school. And I, I, I love telling that story because it's such a good example of what I call the ministry of excellence, right? Like, My parents, even though they weren't religious, sent me to a Christian school because they heard it was a great school, right? (laughs) And provided a great education. And that's what they led with in the market of, hey, you're going to get a great education here. And that paved the way. And that would have been good in and of itself. Excellence is winsome and attractive to the world. We want to be around masterful people and masterful organizations uh it's one of the ways that you can make your values attractive to the world is just by being absolutely terrific at what you do
1: Amazing. Um, And you sort of spoke about, I suppose, that shock that your father had coming home and saying that you were a Christian and things. And I think for a lot of people who do come to faith, especially later on in life, there is a fear in being so open and public with your faith. And now with it being part of your work and your everyday, and really it is your identity, as you said, um, was sharing faith with those around you something that you were ever worried to do? And how did you move past that?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, I still have fears about this right like i uh you know most of my neighbors uh in our neighborhood aren't believers and i'm not as bold as i would like to be with them right just being like totally transparent and honest uh, but for me you know the times where i do engage and do share my faith how i overcome that fear um it is recognizing that i have life-giving truth i believe to offer them
1: and obviously part of your work is sort of leading alongside leading your work alongside the gospel and but when you're looking at your own work personally and evaluating if it does line up with sort of the christian life what are there specific things that you do look for and why are they important to you in relation
2: to christianity in relation to who you believe jesus to be yeah that's a really good question the first thing is like love so Mm -hmm. for me it's loving my team really well loving my audience really well. Uh, And part of that is connected. to the second thing I was gonna say, which is just excellence. That to me, the pursuit of excellence is a mark of whether or not my work is aligned with my faith. Because I worship, I believe, the God who created the universe, right? And look around, creation is beautiful. Creation is is excellent. For me, um, excellence is the marker. Like am I really pursuing mastery of my craft? Focus master my craft in service of others, and if not, I think that's a failure of loving people really well, yeah. right? Like, mediocrity doesn't love people well, excellent work loves people well.
0: That's yeah. amazing, that that's like something that you said that it's like that stood out to us. Um, was that medi- mediocrity fails to accomplish the essence of the Christian life? Is one of the ways that you described, um, your book, Master of One, um, and that one really touched me of just it made me think of excellence in a different way because i've always thought of excellence as like you know this pursuit of work but i've never think about the fact that it is a it's a generosity to other people in some ways um and i was hoping you could kind of uh delve into that a little bit more of how it helps us to serve people well
2: i would love to this is uh, i'm so fired up about this topic yeah i mean (laughs) think about think about your experience as a consumer right Mm. uh if you go on amazon and buy a product and you get it back, and it's it's garbage, right? You would give it a two star rating. The person who made that product has failed to love you as themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if if you want, if you want, if you need heart surgery, right? Uh, you know, God forbid, you want somebody who's exceptionally gifted in that craft, right? So how much more should we, if if that's what we expect of others, if we expect others to love us through the ministry of excellence? then we ought to require the exact same thing of ourselves. And um, yeah, mediocrity just doesn't love people well. Mediocre pizzas don't love people well. Neither does writing a mediocre book or recording a mediocre podcast, which is why I'm so glad you guys are asking such good questions, right? You're loving your audience well. Excellence serves people well. And when you believe that, um, yeah, it just gives you a whole different level of ambition for your work.
0: There's kind of this fine line between excellence and perfection. Totally, at times, and so I guess I have kind of a couple questions about that. Of like, how do you determine between the two? But then, like, has it ever been? Have you ever found it tiring, like pursuing excellence?
2: Oh, totally, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Which is which is why rest is and Sabbath is so critical. Um, Yeah. So to be crystal clear. Uh, Nowhere in scripture are we demanded to be perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect in our work, so it's silly uh, to, uh, to, to strive for that, but it's a pursuit of excellence and always getting better at our craft as a response of love of other people.
1: I think one of the reasons it's so hard to define excellence is because it looks so different day to day even when you're doing the same thing it's understanding you know yes what that excellence needs to be on that day and who who, who are you doing this excellence for yeah. and what do you want to come from it as
2: well that's exactly right it looks and it looks totally different based on your craft right based yep. on your vocation right um you know, if i was in sales uh, excellence might look like being on the phone all day, but as a writer, if I'm on my phone all day, I'm not doing deep work. I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not producing great content. So it looks different for everybody. Yeah, that's so good. That's so
0: helpful. And I guess on one other practical way, how, what's one habit you kind of cultivate in your life for uh, excellence?
2: Yeah, so I, I just touched on it. Um, for me as somebody who is in a, in, in a vocation that requires a lot of creative output, it's deep work, right? It is, mm-hmm. it is totally focused, no notifications on my phone, no notifications on my desktop, and being disciplined to sit down for 90 minutes at a time and focus on a really hard problem, uh, whether it's outlining a chapter or researching or whatever.
1: One more question that I have as well, which you spoken a lot about faith in terms of your work, um, just really quickly, could you go into just how you see faith play out in your own life as well, day to day?
2: Yeah, so for me, it's you know fundamental to why I exist. And uh, I mentioned starting every day uh, with, with spending time in the word, But it also influences um, how, I, how I lead my family. But yeah, it's deeply embedded in everything I do. It's the foundation of my marriage. It's the foundation of my relationship with my kids and how I see them and how I parent them. Um, it's everything to me, everything.
1: thank you so so much for your time today Jordan I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we have
2: it was a blast being with you guys thank you so much
0: so I really loved our conversation with Jordan um and specifically the point that he made about how um excellence is a way that we love people well uh yeah that was incredible because it's I had never um considered excellence in that way Yeah,
1: definitely. I think, you know, you always hear this phrase sort of, you've got to pursue excellence in the work you do. And for me, I've always seen it for a personal gain, never an external gain. So you do it because you know, you want to better your career or better the company that you're working for. But actually it really is the most loving thing you can do for the people around you because when you're pursuing excellence, you're giving them the very best version of yourself and your work, which betters their life as well. And
0: they can find inspiration in that. I just found it such a beautiful, Beautiful perspective. And because exactly like you said, like I think I've always considered excellence as um, this is something that I'm supposed to do because I'm supposed to do the absolute best that I can. I'm supposed to give my all, you know, take the pressure out of it a little bit of like, being strict about pursuing excellence, and really just consider how do we use this as a way of, uh, you know, loving those around us. And if all of us, you know, in our circle groups or in our our workplaces, if everybody is putting in, you know, the best effort that they can give in the moment, you know, how much more fruitful and how much, you know, better of an environment are we creating for one another and like caring for one another because of it. One. yeah I love that
1: and I think it's really important as well what you said in that it's not a private thing like doing your best and working in excellence isn't something that should be kept between you and one other person or you in your work it's something which should be you know open to the people around you and even further if you're lucky as well
0: yeah I think um the other part that stood out to me um well this actually wasn't even a specific uh part but the entire conversation ended up being about, um, you know, just creativity in general in any role that you find yourself in, um, and being able to to find value in every single every single job and in every single position, even if it's not necessarily a place that you thought you'd be or that you should be or anything like that, but like everything actually has can be an opportunity um, to explore that creativity. Uh, Definitely. And I think as well, that would be helpful for so many of us who maybe at the moment
1: aren't exactly where they want to be or, you know, I'm sure there will be maybe we're, at the moment we are where we want to be, but I'm sure in the future, we will find ourselves in positions of, you know, the unknown and not right. knowing what our next step is. So I think in those moments, that's a really key takeaway to remember and remind ourselves of. Um, and it can be hard sometimes, but you know, it's these conversations when which when we listen back to, we can find that motivation, encouragement again.
0: Right. No, that's true. So true. It it does get difficult at times. And I think even after you've heard like all of the, the encouraging advice, it's kind of just like, Okay, I don't know. I still don't fully know what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I think he just had like a really cool take on being able to see where you are, uh, in some ways as an opportunity. I think he even spoke about his own personal feelings of like failure with um, a, a company that he that he had, well, actually really his entrepreneurial journey of something that felt like failure in the moment. But now looking back on it, he has a completely different view of that time in his life. And I think obviously it does take time to do that. That's a process. You probably don't yeah. feel that overnight. Um, but I, I thought it, that was like really, really cool to to, to kind of have that, to, to look back on that. Like, okay, you know, once we get a little bit of distance on it, maybe you can see um, a bit of value in it
1: yeah definitely hindsight really does give you 20 20 vision but you yeah. got to get there first <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah like it's cool to be able to like now think how you can put that into practice in your own life and in your own work because again with all these conversations it's
0: not just applicable to our careers but also our personal lives as well absolutely Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify
1: website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com.